Uh, last week I started a little mini-series called Why a Virgin Birth. I'll conclude with this. It's just two little uh, uh, Sundays about that. But I want to talk about why a virgin birth. A lot of people, you know, hear about it. We sing about it. We see the manger and, you know, the angels and all that and the wise men. And why, why, why did Jesus have to come the way he did? Why, why? Why is that so important for you and me? So I, I like to bring some clarity to that. Um, you know, the sad thing in America today is the gospel is being dumbed down in, in a huge way. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and not presented in a way that produces conviction of sin and then brings new life. How many know unless you're convicted of your sin, you can't be saved? That went over real big. Because that produces a convi- that conviction produces a desire to change, and that's called repentance. So anyway, uh, I want to talk about the virgin birth and why it is so important. Hopefully, when you leave today, you say, "Oh, I never thought about that." So listen to the scriptures. It's so the Bible's so full. Of, there's a thread of redemption all throughout Scripture. You'll see that clearly. So I want to start with Old and New Testament references to the virgin birth because the Bible's full of this. And then uh, let's talk about the why behind the virgin birth. I think you'll I think you'll get some clarity. Genesis three fifteen, God said, "I'll cause hostility between you." speaking to our adversary Satan and the woman in between your offspring, Satan's offspring, and her offspring. And uh, her offspring would be talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. There's a lot there that I don't have time to talk about today. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So down through the ages, 2,500 years ago, the Isaiah the prophet uh, said a virgin would get pregnant. That's amazing. That's, a, that's impossible. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. So the child is born refers to, to uh, Jesus' physical birth. A son is given refers to Jesus' preexistence of that baby in the manger. He is the Son of God. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many know one day Jesus really will rule the world? There's a thousand-year reign of Christ coming after we go through all this mess that we have to go through uh, before Jesus comes back. Are you excited about that? Isaiah 53, 2, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. A root in dry ground refers to a a supernatural birth. A seed doesn't germinate without water. And uh, the ovum in the uterus of a woman doesn't uh, bear bear offspring unless there's uh, the, the male element. So it says here, like a root in dry ground, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was, he was born as a baby, just like everybody else. Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah. That's just an in term of endearment for the, for the town Bethlehem there in Israel. Though you are a little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me one to be ruler in Israel. Now here's the kicker, uh, who's going forth are from of old, from everlasting. So here's somebody born that preexisted the uh, preexisted his birth, and uh, again uh, this is talking about Jesus 
being the son of God who preexisted his physical birth. And then the New Testament, John 1, 14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Then 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And it's talking about Jesus, right? Justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Two more verses, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we, we might receive the adoption as sons. Hebrews 2.14, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that's us, he himself likewise shared in the same, that is in flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So again, the Bible is full of references to uh, Jesus' virgin birth. few questions about that. Why? why? Why is a virgin birth necessary for our salvation? Hmm. Um, why did God need to incarnate himself into a human body? Why? Do you know the answer is exactly why? Um, the other thing is, can I go to heaven without a virgin birth? Why did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, the life? No man comes to the Father uh, except through me. The, the Bible reveals this, we're depraved. Everybody say depraved. Not a popular term and uh, not something you want to say, you know, when you got a new grandbaby, well, you're so depraved. You just don't talk that way. Uh, as your children age and they do things you like, don't like, you might want to say that a few times, but you know what I mean. Uh, we are a fallen race and we cannot uh, go to heaven without our sin being judged and cleansed. That is not uh, not clear in America today. How many hear me? In America, we hear a lot about God loving us today, a lot about the grace of God today, but very little about the sinfulness of which we all partake. How many hear what I just said? In fact, most people in America today believe that God loves us too much to allow us to go to a place that the Bible talks about, hell, where the worm never dies and the fire is not quenched. In fact, if you go through the Gospels, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. And that's a shocking thing. Now we, now we hardly even have any references in public ministry in America about hell, and it's a sad thing. Most of us in our culture today, but today believe that we are basically good people, and that's what, that's what we're taught from uh, you know, age zero up, but we're basically good people and all you need to do is be educated a little bit, get a little bit, a bit of stuff in that cranial cavity between your ears and then you just kind of spark into somebody that's really nice. You know what the real truth is? You're a stinker. I mean, the truth is you're looking, I mean, we're looking for a way to do something. I mean, our heart is depraved. That's what the Bible teaches. So don't be, don't be surprised when your children, those sweet little things that, are, that coo and make you just in, uh, stand in awe, and suddenly one day they do things like, why'd you do that? Mm-mm-mm. Right? And what you find out now is that uh, the, here's the deal. The more, you know, we understand, you know, uh, some people, the way they're raised, the way they live, the, the way they live, the, the families they come from, 
you know, they're challenging to be around, they do challenging things. But then you think, well, we just need to get them some education. Then what you find out, the more educated you come, the more sly you become, the more sly you are. And you figure out ways to get by and seem like you're nice when you're a cunning rascal on the inside. Huh? And you're cutting somebody's legs out from under them while you're smiling. Right? So that we're dealing with it. You're not saying much about this today. I think I'm talking about me and all of us. Is that true? Until you recognize that you're a sinner, you have no need for a savior. And that is the problem in America today. Uh, We have a lot about God loving us, but very, very little as far as information about our sinfulness. So all of us, the Bible says, have broken God's laws. I just want to read this just for reference sake. Here's Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Psalm 51, 5. Here it is. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That, he didn't say that the act of conception was sin. He said, from the moment I was born, the moment life began. How many know life begins at conception? The moment life begins, we are a fallen race and we are sinners in need of a Savior. Jeremiah seventeen nine: the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's a challenging thing to think about when you think about yourself, when you think about your children. And now when I think about my eight grandchildren, all all of them need a Savior. All of them are going to bear fruit that they have a wicked heart one day, right? Then Jesus uh, clarified it very uh, very well in Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You know, he, he, he just called it what it was, right? And then uh, Romans 3, the apostle Paul, uh, quoting from the book of Isaiah, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands, none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They've together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Verse 15, Romans 3, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who were under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now that's the state of the human race right now. The problems that we're having uh, in America right now, and uh, we're, we're just kind of unchained. Have you noticed? And there seems to be no moorings that can keep our culture stable. And uh, now you got to be careful. Uh, you know, I walk two miles around my neighborhood most every day, and I won't tell you what I have to take just to make sure you just don't want to mess with me. I'll rebuke you in Jesus' name, but if you won't listen to that, I have other means of control. Read between the lines. Now, why do I have to do that? Because our culture's left God behind. You know, listen, when I was a young boy, and this dates me, but in the 60s, I was in my single digits, and, um, and I mean, regularly, I, I went to a church that preached the word, and you know what I came from church knowing? I'm a sinner, and I was think I was four, maybe five years old, no more than that. I came up to our pastor. I was crying. I'd cry every Sunday morning. I, and I couldn't figure out why. 
And, of course, you know we had a piano on this side, or an organ on this side, and then we had the American flag, the Christian flag. Y'all raised in a church like that? And uh, anyway, the ladies start playing the organ, and I'm sitting on the second pew on the right because we sat at the same place every Sunday. Do you? Let me see. No. And uh, But she start playing that organ, I get to crying. And, my, and I'm sitting on the edge of the pew just weeping my eyeballs out. Mama said, what's the matter? I said, I don't know. And then I'm in the car. We didn't have seat belts when I was young. Anybody remember not having seat belts? In fact, I remember when we installed them in my, our vehicle because now they're mandatory. I know it dates you, right? And uh, so I'm sitting on the edge of the, of, of the seat. Mama's driving. I'm in the passenger side, which now your kids have to be in the back in a car seat, right? No car seats back then. So I'm sitting there, and then she's turning, she turned the radio on, and there's some kind of religious broadcast going on, and somebody starts playing that, that rascal, that rascal uh, organ. And I get to crying again. I said, Mama, what's the, she, Mama says, what's the matter? I said, I have no idea. I'm just, that makes me weep. We know what I found out? It was conviction. At an early age, I felt conviction. If saying I went to my pastor, I was about four or five years old. And uh, I said, Mama, I need to be saved. Because I was listening to him every Sunday. Back then, children sat with the, the parents in church. Anybody remember that? And that made me be still. If I, didn't got, get, if I wasn't still, I'd go get a whipping. Y'all know what that is? Yeah, my daddy sprawled me out on the hood of the car and whooped me good if I wouldn't be still and listen. We need some of that today. What you think? It's not child abuse. It's correction. Facebook will probably hinder my message over that one. Nonetheless, uh, I went to my pastor and... uh, he said, son, and because my, my mama said, he's crying all the time, pastor. He comes to church, he's crying. So I went to my pastor, F.O. Legrand, that was his name. He pastored Mizpah Baptist Church, Florence, South Carolina. So he leaned me, he put me, took me in a little room, you know, a little side room, because he was always in the front of the church shaking hands, you know. And she, she told him, said, pastor, he's crying all the time. Every time he hears an organ, he cries. Said, uh, he says he, he needs to be saved. And, and, and so he, he sat me down in the chair and said, uh, so Mitch, so, so I hear you crying a lot. I said, mm-hmm. And he said, um, let me ask you a question. Do you know what a sinner is? I said the wrong thing, y'all. He said, you know what a sinner is? And I said, that's a good man. And then he patted me on the back. No kid patted me on the back and said, it'd be all right, son. And he didn't know I heard him, but he told my mama, you know, kind of whispering tone with his hand cup, said, uh, he's not quite ready. <laughs> it broke my heart. It's like, get, me, get this off of me. I don't want to cry when I come to church. Finally, I did make Jesus, make Jesus Lord, and I was about eight, and I got baptized. We see, conviction of sin is not what it used to be. How many hear me? Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short. Of the glory of God, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Somebody says, sin don't pay. Oh, yes, it does. It'll take you farther than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, somebody said, and uh, make you pay far much more than you ever thought you'd have to pay, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Then this is an eye-opener, James 2, yet indeed, uh, yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal law found 
uh, in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor other pe- uh, some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. For a person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Now, that's a shock. Did you hear what I just said? Wow. For the, for the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but don't commit adultery, you've still broken the law. That is all of them. So the idea is in scriptures, if you break one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of breaking them all. And then you're subject to the penalty of breaking God's law. Now, some people don't like to talk about that today because we want to talk about the love of God. Which, what you've got to understand about sin, sin separates us from God. And see, we don't think about it today. We sing about God loving us. But, and, and we had a guest speaker, John Routon, a couple of Sundays ago, talking about holiness. How many know God is holy? He's not just love. The Bible says God is love, but God is also holy. Everybody say holy. Holy means separateness, set apart from. He's nothing, he's nothing like us, except he's a spirit being, and that's what we are. Other than that, he is so, uh, so separate from us. He's pure, pristine, clean, squeaky clean, holy. And because we're a fallen race, Adam and Eve committed a sin. The Bible narrative, Genesis chapter 3. How many believe that the, when the Bible says that Adam and Eve actually existed, how many in this room actually believe that Adam and Eve existed? Would you raise your hand? Did you know uh, uh, there, there are people being raised in the current generation that thinks all of those are allegorical and it's not real fact? And then, of course, our children are taught in school that we, uh, we evolved from one-cell creatures and gradually got to, you know, walked up out the slime and out the mud and finally, you know, walked erect and lost our tail and here we are. That's not what the Bible says. We are created in the image of God. And the thing that gives dignity to man is the fact that God breathed himself into us when we were created, Genesis 2-7. And that separates for us from the animal kingdom. Now it's a really strange thing. Some animals have more rights than humans have today. Animals have no rights than babies in the womb. Think of that. A sad day, isn't it? See? So we're, we're created in the image of God, but Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they broke fellowship with God. Not just for them, but they're, they're the fe- a feder- something that is federal is head over everything. Adam and Eve are the federal head of the human race. That means they overarchingly um, uh, influence every human since them. So everybody that has a belly button has a problem. Yeah, the jury's out. Did Adam and Eve have a a belly button? They weren't born. They were created. Well, get to heaven and go ask them. I just don't have an answer. But nonetheless, sin separates us from God. And we are separated from God, I mean, from birth because of sin. We are a fallen race. And here's the thing you got to know. God's love for us is based on justice. Most people think, and the way we think as Americans is, well, God can just kind of forgive us. We're taught to forgive people that offend us and do things to hurt us, and we're supposed to forgive. So God in Christ forgave us, but you forget the real key. God in Christ forgave us. It doesn't say God forgave us. God in Christ forgives our sins. And we forget about the judicial side of God's love. 
God is, God is love, but God is also purity and holiness. And nothing that's impure can go to heaven. That's what we don't realize. And so that baby cooing, you know, when, when you give birth and that you enjoy, those grandchildren you enjoy, there are rascals inside. All of us are sinners at birth. We can't go to heaven without a Savior, even though God loves us. So we tout God's love and think because God loves us, certainly he won't allow somebody as nice as me. And we all think that way, don't we? To, to go to this place the Bible talks called hell, talks about called hell, and then, and then this eternal penitentiary called the lake of fire. God would never allow us, since he loves us, to go there, but that's not what the Bible says. God is love, but he also has to be just. Psalm eighty-nine, fourteen: righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. What would you think of a, what would you think about a court system or a judge uh, who would let a murderer off without being responsible for what he did? Now that happens if you've got enough money. And the right kind of really smart lawyer. Yes or no? How does the family feel about that? Do they feel like an injustice has taken place? You know, yeah. Uh, is it fair to the family who have a loved one who's died at the murderer's hands when he's let go? Huh? Do they feel like justice has been done? Yes or no? So you think about it this way. Lucifer, Satan, was kicked out of heaven because he uh, created anarchy against God with a third of the angels. He was booted out of heaven. Jesus said it, Luke 10, I saw Satan fall as lightning. Lucifer means light one, light bearer. He was a bright being, the most beautiful of God's created things. He, got, he fell out of heaven. And when he fell, a third of the angels went with him. And uh, so if God would just forgive us because he loves us, guess what? He would also just have to forgive Satan because he loves him. And there is no forgiveness with him. Did you hear what I just said? There is no forgiveness for him. Did you hear what I just said? Our sin debt has got to be satisfied. To satisfy God's justice, our sin debt has to be paid for. He can't just forgive us because he loves us. If he did that, then Satan could go right up to heaven, whack his, his bony, nasty finger in God's face and say, you are in unjust. You don't have the right to be the ruler of the universe. And just like I said before, you kick me out of heaven. You got to let me back in because you're unjust. You're imperfect. You're impure. And he could challenge God's justice. And so for God to be just and fair, he's got to treat everybody the same. You get it? So just because he loves you doesn't mean that you're, you go to heaven. God will love you all of your life. But if you do nothing with his son Jesus, you will go to hell when you die. You can be a really sweet person, a very nice person. You can do things for people. And I know some really sweet, nice people but you know the truth is, your sweet niceness doesn't get you beyond the pearly gates. No, it's Jesus' blood is the only thing strong enough to cleanse human sin. Now, I want to talk about why that is true. God's love for us must also satisfy his justice. Every sin must be accounted for. Do you realize it was just one sin 
They got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden. You ever thought about that? Hmm? I could go all through the Old Testament. One sin got people into trouble. One sin, Moses disobeyed God. One time, he got to the very edge of the promised land, 120 years old, strong man. God said, well, you like what you see? He said, yep, ready to go. And God said, you'll never get in there because you didn't listen. One sin. So see, sin has to be dealt with. So if we think we're going to heaven again simply because we're so sweet and nice and do nice things, see, we're wrong. No, 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 we're sinners and our sin has to be dealt with. Impurity cannot enter the gates of heaven, right? Sin makes me impure and sin makes you impure. So unless something judges your sin and you accept that judgment as yours, you can't go to heaven. So, you know, uh, I just have a question for everybody in the room and everybody watching it sometime in the future. Have you dealt with your personal sin issues? It's not your goodness that gets you to heaven. You know, Revelation 20, verse 11, there's a great white throne judgment, and it says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, John said. And another book was opened, which is uh, the book of life. And everyone was judged by those things written in the books. There's a book of works and there's a book of life. And uh, those two books in heaven determine what, you, what happens to you at, a, at judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die after that judgment. Now, for Christians, for believers who has accepted Jesus' sacrifice for their sins, how many know there's no more judgment? Jesus took your judgment. We're going to show you why in a second. But if you don't let Jesus check your judgment and you think you're good enough to get into heaven, God will give you a chance. He's that fair. So here, I'm, I've met a lot of people who said, no, I don't need Jesus. I've, I've done enough good. I believe God loves me. I believe when I get on the other side because of all the nice things I've done, he's going to let me in. And God, you know what? God's fair enough to say, well, let's, let's, give her, let's give her a shot. So they stand before the great white throne judgment. And it says the books are, well, the book of works. Did you know everything you do is recorded? Some people think I'm preaching law when I say that. that. The Bible says that more than twice. Everything we do is written in a book. I mean, there's angels are busy. There's a bunch of angels. They're busy. They're writing, taking notes, motivations, words, thoughts, things you do, places you've been, in the dark and in the light. All written. Does that challenge you? That challenges me. That scares the bejeebies out of me. So if you think that's going to get you to heaven, well, and here's where I was when I was a little boy. If my good works outweigh my bad works, then when I get before God, I used to think that as a little boy going to the, going to the bus stop. Here's a day. Here's a wonderful day. What am I going to do with today? Well, if I got more good than bad today, God's going to chalk it up in his book of works as a good day. And then when I get to the end of my life, he's going to count. Let me see. 15,425 good. 14,273 bad. You get to go enter into the joy of your Lord. No. No. So these people that think they're going, they're going to heaven because they're good and they don't want Jesus. They want to hip, hip, hooray, do what they want to do with no constraint. God will let you live that way. And, sm- and you know what? He won't be smiling while you do it, but, he says, but he'll say with a stiff lip, if that's what you want, have at it. Right? 
We got problems in America today. You know why? Because we want what we want. And we want God to smile with what we want when he says he doesn't like it. Yes or no? That's a challenge. So on that great white throne, the only thing that matters is he, he goes through the person's whole life every day. And then maybe God says, is that it? I say, yes. And he just has one more question. He says, angel, would you please open the book of life? Do you find, do you find this person's name in the book? Or do you find John Doe in the book of life? Just a minute, sir. It's a big book. Or maybe they got digital stuff. Let me see. <laughs> Sir, what'd you say his middle name was? John Henry. Oh, John. Uh, no, sir, his name is not in this book. As much as God loves that person, depart from ye, me. You that work iniquity and are living in sin, you never accepted the sacrifice of my son. I love you, but I can't allow you to go where I want you to go, and that is heaven. Depart from me. And they go to the hell and then the lake of fire. Do you want that to be you? That's sobering, isn't it? It's really sobering to talk about it on a Sunday morning. So why is Jesus so important? Question. Don't hear a lot about this today, but these are very important facts. Let me give you some facts about the virgin birth and why the virgin birth alone can get you to heaven and why alone Jesus said, I am the singular way, the singular truth, the singular life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Why? Well, the person that pays the human race's sin debt, there are 10 criterion that I found that they've got to fulfill. Some of them overlap a little bit, but you'll get it very clearly by the time I finish with these 10 things. The person who pays our sin debt must meet 10 criteria. Number one, it's got to be born in fellowship with God. Guess who, guess who that cancels out? All of me and you and anybody born since Adam sinned. Buddha, Confucius, Mohammed, Anybody else you think's wonderful? If you got an earthly mama and an earthly daddy, a human mama, a human daddy, you don't qualify to be the savior of the human race because you're a sinner yourself. Yes or no? Got to be born in fellowship with God. Jesus was born in fellowship with God. The Bible calls him two things in 1 Corinthians. calls him the, uh, the, 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 first, the second Adam. Then he calls him the last Adam. Jesus is the first man born since Adam's sin, born in fellowship with God. Because God was his father. He had no earthly father. In fact, those that know, uh, that understand science well, uh, really they say, and we talk about the blood of Jesus. The blood is not created in the ovum that is fertilized until the introduction of the male sperm. Go check it out. What does that mean? That in Mary, his mother, 16-year-old girl, virgin, she was impregnated by God. And when she got pregnant, it was not with a human male sperm. She was impregnated by God's power. That means Jesus' blood was not tainted with sin. Now, I've cast, now, I can't go anywhere with this except to tell you, and I don't care what you think about what I'm about to say. 
I've cast demons out of people. And when I talk about the blood of Jesus, those devils get afraid. Because that blood of Jesus is pure blood. It's holy blood. It's God's blood. When Jesus was born, he was born in fellowship with God. His blood was not tainted with sin. Do you get it? That's why without the virgin birth and a belief in that, you can't be saved. Got to think about it. Number two, the person who pays our sin debt must be free from Satan's rule. Every human with two earthly parents, we got a big problem. Not only are we sinners, but we're dominated by satanic forces. Jesus said to the most religious people of his day in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. Did you know if you don't claim Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're automatically dominated by the devil? Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. Uh, Paul referred to it in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, right? Uh, Satan's called the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, the spirit that works in the persons of disobedience. What does that say? In every person that doesn't walk with God, that means members of your family that don't know the Lord. That means people you work with that don't know the Lord. Spiritually speaking, they're connected to Satan and the evil world. Did you hear me? The dark world, the dark side. Without Jesus, you can't unhook from the dark side. That's the reason, you know, when homicides occur, guess where they look first? Family, right? Why? Without Jesus, you're capable of crazy things. Yes or no? Lying, cheating, stealing, fornicating, cussing, fussing, messing. That's because of Satan's rule over the human race. So people that you know and love, I've had people that I know and love do crazy things, right? Huh? Huh? You wonder why your children, they grew up, if they don't know the Lord, they can get into some mess. Yes or no? Causes families agony. Why? Because every person born with mom and dad are in fellowship with the devil. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from it except the blood of Jesus cleanses you. Number three, the person who pays our sin debt must be without sin himself. I just mentioned that. It's kin to number one there. Number four, the person who pays our sin debt must have, have only one human parent. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that's surrogate. They still have two parents. The sperm came from somewhere and the egg came from somewhere. And you might have took that out of the woman and planted it in somebody else. But my friend, that person still has a human mama and a human daddy. You get it? Science can't alter this. Nobody born except Jesus has one human parent. That's the qualifier right there. Uh, number five, this person who pays our sin debt must be immortal. That means subject to death. Did you know Jesus could not die until he gave himself up? Several times the religious people tried to kill him, but he kept saying, my time has not yet come. And just walked right through him. See you later. And he just kept li- until he willingly gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sin. He was immortal. That means not subject to death. The truth about us is 
We're going to die one day if Jesus doesn't come back first. All of us have an appointment with death. The big deal is, are we ready for it, right? But Jesus didn't have that. He was not subject to death. Number six, our Redeemer must be able to legally pay for our sin. The problem with any human is they have a sin debt themselves that they've got to pay. So all of these world religious rulers and leaders in history, religions have started. If you got a human mama and a human daddy, you got a problem. And then, of course, you've got some that say, well, I came from another planet. I know a lot of people, I think, came from another planet. <laughs> That's the truth. No, you got to be a human. A human got us into sin. A human's got to get us out of sin, right? Number seven, this person who pays our sin debt must conquer death and give us an ability to defeat our enemy. Jesus was raised from the dead. Revelation 1.18, I am he who lives, I was dead, and I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of hell and death. When, G, when Mary went to that grave and, and saw the stone was rolled away in, in Roman times, they had, you know, just a, a piece of rock that was hewn out in, into, a, into a place to put a dead body, and they rolled a big heavy stone across it and then, uh, and then put a mark on it so nobody could move it. If you moved it, you know that grave's been desecrated. Well, when they went to Jesus' grave, the uh, three days after he was put in there, the stone was gone. And they went in there, and, and, and uh, he wasn't there. The grave clothes were, they wrapped his body in little strips of cloth with all kinds of resins and substances to make a dead body smell good. And then finally the aperture of the face was left bare and they put a grave cloth. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he come out of that cocoon. It's laying there. And, and, and then the cloth that was over his face, it was folded and laid to the side. It's pretty incredible, right? Some people say folded, meaning the, the meaning behind that is I'm coming back. Pretty amazing. He conquered death. You know anybody that's conquered death? Now, I know people who have died and they resuscitated them. No, Jesus died and was dead and went to hell for you and stayed there until God was satisfied your sin debt was paid. Then the Holy Spirit raised him from death. He come up out of hell, got in his physical body, and he sits at God's right hand. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that awesome? Number eight, our sin uh, the person who pays our sin debt must make immortality and resurrection of the body available. You got to realize we don't like death because God created us to live for eternity in these bodies. I've never been a person, and I have attended the deaths of many people as a pastor, as a minister, since 1981. I've been in the rooms of many people who have died. I've watched people die. I've, I've listened to people as they expired. I've listened to their families. I've listened. It's not a, it's not a, it's, it's a, it's a, a sobering sight to see someone die because everything in us struggles to live, right? And, and, and finally, I've had some people, you know, sometimes me, sometimes a family say, just lay back and let it go. Why? We are so attached to these physical bodies because God created us to live in them for eternity and never leave them. The Bible says the soul that sins will die. If we had never sinned, we wouldn't die. You know, uh, physiologists say every 7 to 11 years, all of the tissues of your body are replaced with the exception of your spinal cord and your brain. 
they, they never are replenished. But everything else is. And I think perhaps that's because in original creation, God never created us to leave our bodies. Yes? Isn't that amazing to think about? And that's the reason we don't like to think about death. We don't like to think about it. And, and you know, when someone we know and love dies, like when Tansy went to be with the Lord, you know, it hurts us. We miss them. It's unnatural. It's, a, it's an enemy. It's the last enemy. The Bible says we'll be put under our feet. Jesus conquered death for us. Is that good news? Second thing Jesus did, he conquered our enemy for us. Satan has control over us until you make Jesus Lord. Those demon spirits will taunt you, uh, aggravate you, put thoughts in your mind, put feelings on your body, make you melancholy, emotionally unstable, make you feel depressed, oppressed, and weak and fearful. And then when you come to know Jesus and rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. That stuff's got to back up. He gives us authority over our enemy. Number eight, he's got to make immortality and a resurrection body available. It is available to us today. At the rapture of the church, what happens at the rapture of the church? At the rapture of the church, the dead in Christ rise first. That means their, their physical bodies get up out of the grave and they are renewed somehow. I don't know how to tell you that. I have never figured that out. I just know a grave robber's coming. And those bodies that have been, every time I've ever, and I've done almost 80 uh, uh, funerals, every time I've seen a casket down down in the ground, that person knows the Lord. For the next thing I think is, that casket's going to mess that ground up one day. Because that boy's coming, that girl's coming out of that place. Isn't that awesome? You get a new body. Number nine, the ninth thing this uh, person who pays our sin debt must do, must remove the curse from the earth. The ground was cursed. The earth was cursed because of Adam's sin. And God said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to earn your living. And then he said, you're going to die. From dust you are, to dust you will return. Jesus removes the curse, Revelation 22, 4. Isn't that awesome? Number 10, the the person who pays our sin debt must completely restore us to what we were before Adam and Eve sinned, that is, in fellowship with God. I did a whole study on the book of Revelation. Go to our website, 38 Lessons. It's a lot of teaching, probably 30-something hours of teaching. But you'll find there that Jesus restores the the entire earth back to its pre-fall condition. And in eternity, you're not going to live in heaven Playing a harp, drinking sweet tea. No, you're going you're gonna to be here. In fact, God may have something for you to do. He may say, you know, I've, I've created a new solar system and I decided to replicate what I did there. Now, who says that God can't do that? And I want you to go help me and you got your glorified body I gave you because of Jesus. Now, you get over there right now and here's what I want you to do, X, Y, Z. And I've sent 15,000 others just like you'd go help me. Go over there and make that thing happen. Make it happen. You're going to be on earth in eternity. And then who knows where else you might be as God dispatches you wherever. You got eternity to live. Are you excited about that? Why waste 70, 80, 90 years here? on your flesh, doing what you want to do and miss the best that God has for you. Because of the, resur- because of the bir- virgin birth of Jesus, we have a bright future. Do you think you have a bright future? Are you concerned about your sin? Are you bothered because you don't live the way you know that you should? Do you feel like you live below what you know is right? If you do, you can make things right with God. You can be born again. 
I'd encourage you to get my notes. My notes are online. I've got a lot that I usually don't say on these things, but the virgin birth is so absolutely necessary. And I'm thankful that we have one day out of the year, whether it's the day Jesus was born or not, that we talk about the virgin birth of Jesus and Jesus being the light of the world. Aren't you? 